What's up, man? Hey, hey. How you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Great. Andy's in the building. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Loved it when I was like, we're going to the moon. And you're like, yeah, we're going to the moon, but first we need to build the rocket. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, he knows what's up. Yeah. Thanks for sitting down to do this. I think this is a, you know, I was curious uh, just to talk to you as an athlete and then you came on board as a coach. So I think I, you know, we can tell, there's a lot of things that we want to talk about. I think a good intro to people though, is let's kind of do the normal format uh, just so we can get to know you more as where you are as a racer. And if we have time, we'll touch on coaching stuff too. But I just think the pearls that you'll give off from having been a pro for so long are going to be incredible. Uh, does that sound good to you? Yeah, let's go. Okay, cool. Yeah. So walk. Uh, so first question, I just tried to skip over this one with somebody else. Who is and is it pronounced Bach? I always mean to ask you that. Yeah, I think no, no, no guys from uh, from America or New Zealand or Australia can can pronounce it. So it's Bach. So first question, please pronounce your name and then tell us who you are. Okay, so my name is Andy Bach. I'm 32 years old, uh, married, four kids, two dogs, one cat, uh, and yeah, I'm a pro cyclist and also a coach now at Evo. Awesome. What and what? I know the answer to this, but to give context to everybody else, what? How old were you when you turned pro? Uh, so let's say I. We in Slovenia for that that you go to continental with because we at the time we had five continental teams so I went straight away to pros but um, yeah so let's say from eighteen yeah yeah I also yeah so I could leave from that yeah super young and especially for a lot of the U.S. contingent listening you know so many of us don't find this sport until much later in life so you've been racing pro for fourteen years which is incredible. What was the previous from zero to 17? What was that like in terms of sports? Did you have any siblings? Were you riding all the time? When did you find cycling? Give us a quick like origin story. Okay. So both of my grandparents were, uh, uh, my granddad were uh, uh, cyclists. So yeah, that's, you know, runs in the family. Cool. But when I was young, I, I, I didn't like cycling. <laughs> I didn't like it. What I mean, did you like about it? I, I like more, I, I will say soccer now, so for okay. the American, <laughs> I like basketball more, yeah, and I like hockey more, and uh, yeah, I, for like when I was young, this, this had more, more appeal to me than, than, than cycling. Okay. And then when I was, I think, around seven, yeah, I went to a race, just, you know, a, a, it was a, like a school race, and I won. And I, it was so, you know, I, I learned how to, to ride without hands for like a week before. So, you know, that was my first like, race. Ah! I could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I took 12 or 13 years old. I didn't, I didn't do no, I didn't do, I mean, I, I rode the bike, I rode the bike, but I, I, I preferred other sports. And even after in the winter, I always play, played some other sports or handball or basketball or something else mm-hmm. and then yeah at one, at one moment yeah then it you know it hooks you up and you're finished 
So that happened to you also? You kind of got that bug and you were like, okay, cycling's yeah. my jam. Yeah. What year was that? Yeah. I think when I was like um, 15, 16. Okay. Anyway, you start winning and we did a lot of international races. So I, I raced mainly in Italy. And yeah, that's like the competition is, is big. And also there was uh, in Slovenia at that time, there was a lot of... Uh, good guys so you know you get this feeling of of being competitive all the time and you actually really have to work for it and uh, yeah then it, you know i was hooked and that's it were you hooked on doing well or because you're you're doing well in these races and you're young and it's probably like a good like hey i'm crushing it were you hooked on the sport more like just going out to ride was it a combination of all of those do you think I think it's, it's always a combination because if you don't, if a cer- certain aspect of when you're young, it will, and it bothers you, mm-hmm. uh, then it may, may be kill the dream. Yeah. But what, what was good that we were always, uh, we had a really strong junior team. So like the numbers were there and mm-hmm. you, uh, we were always a really tight pack. Mm-hmm. We trained together. We went to school together. We partied together. And, uh, you know, that's something that then, it makes it easier for the for the hard moments, yeah. Do you think it actually came up in a couple other podcasts, other people that played other sports or, you know, had multiple things going on? Do you see any of the previous sports that you were more invested in earlier having some transfer skill over to cycling? Yeah, yeah, well, what for you, sure. What do you think? What were the ones that stand out to you? Uh, I mean, um, what, like, what? I think that's a lot of athletes have this problem. That's when you're doing only some, let's say, endurance sport or uh, that cycling or running. Mm-hmm. There's like this continuous movement uh, that's mainly focused on going forward. Mm-hmm. Where in in, a, in other sports like hockey or or handball or um, uh, soccer, there's a lot of more of uh, lateral movement, mm-hmm. and you also have to like think what is happening behind you. Yes. And, and uh, you, you get this more the feeling of your body in a space and also your um, hand-to-eye coordination is, gets much, much better than just doing cycling. Mm. I, I have to stop using this, this example because people will probably be tired of hearing it, but I, it's the one that I think of often is that basketball, my position, I constantly was having to know who's behind me, but also keeping an eye yeah. on the ball up front. And so just what they call court awareness. And I really feel yeah. like when there's times in a race, when you're trying to see who's about to counter, who's launching, it just, it, it's almost second nature of being able to take inventory of what 20 other dudes are thinking without thinking about it almost. It's a weird transference. I'm always curious what people draw from other sports and when you said handball i'm like that's got to be a similar thing like there's just so much going on at once yeah um yeah go ahead in basketball in basketball the you know when when rookies come to nba they and then they are you know they say oh the game is so fast the game is so fast and then the game gets slower and slower Mm -hmm. and and it's for me same in a sprint yeah Mm -hmm. so when when you do a sprint and the race feels fast around you, you can make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And when you when the race feels slow, and when you're used to it, so like from basketball or some other sport, you get used to it. This uh, of these feelings, 
then it's also easier to take the right decision, let's yes. say in a sprint. It's good to say that too, to remind people, I think back to early races. I mean, that's how I feel. If I do a pro race, I'm like, there's so like, it's just chaotic. And I'm like holding on for dear life. If it's me and my peers, I have more experience than most of them. And you can see the people that have like just come up to like an elite race and things are just moving faster. And once it slows down, you're, you don't have to think about everything. It's just second nature yeah. takes over and, and you can react and be more. And I think that then allows you to be more proactive because you're not just, as I say, react, it makes me think you're not just reacting to other people. You're thinking, what might other people do? What can I do to put myself and my team in the best position for what might happen? And there's like five yeah. iterations of that. And it's just this like, I feel what they used to call it in school. It's like a decision tree. Like, and then you're just... There's so much. Ha- That's why I love this sport. It's, it's just there's so much yeah. going on. It's crazy. And I mean, you always have to be adaptive. Yeah, you cannot stick to the plan. Like the plan can can you know? Yeah. Let's say if you're like in France, yeah, you know, you, there's the plan till the next corner. Yeah, <laughs> I, <mean. laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's- it's a very, and maybe I should start saying this again in podcasts. There are, it's a very like cap four or five thing. I've coached a few people with like, okay, well, FYI, next weekend is my weekend to get in the break. So we need to train for that. I'm like, wait, what? Are you guys having this conversation? Yeah. Like who's in the break that week? That, that should not be how yeah. the race goes. But yeah. so let's talk about training in terms of, I'm actually really curious. So you're, let's break it between like you're 18 to 24 years old and then you're 25 to now at 32 years old. What's been the biggest change? Maybe like big things you've learned about yourself or just changes in training because it's such a long span of time. Uh, I was lucky that I always had like really good coaches that mm-hmm. knew what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So they never, they never burned me. Like I was never, I mean, I had one year when I was third year U23, I had 97 starts in one year. Wow. So, yeah. And I was never burned. Yeah. What do you think, what were, let me jump in there. What do you think were some of the things that they did that helped you stay? So you're, you must've been racing February to October. (laughs) Like it's so many races. Yeah. What do you think were some of the things that they did or made you not do to be able to handle that type of load, especially at that age? Um, a lot of recovery, mm. uh, working also on like just uh, mental stuff. So you're, you know, a lot of times you get your body will be okay in a week, but your head will be damaged for three months. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you you also you know when you are also people think that. Um, then the head doesn't, you know, like when you will do everything and you train do all the intervals, it will be okay, but it actually won't be if your head is not okay. Mm-hmm. And what we did was we trained really, like we trained with, with the head. Yeah? We trained slower. We, I had a lot of recovery in, the, in, the, in between. And we also, uh, what we did was, um, so let's say if I did four hours, I did slow. And then we did a lot of motor training which covered a lot of them, a lot of intervals. I know it's not like, um, it should be, it, 
like motor pacing should be for the pros because it's dangerous. But yeah, that's what. Um, but it's good to be what we, just going that fast through space. I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like Metro Van der Poel does for five hours in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, when you say when you say head stuff, are you talking like confidence, how to bring about internal motivation? What do you think is the most important head stuff that an athlete needs to bring to the table or work on? Uh, from from what I from me for me it's consistency. So sometimes my head just goes like from high to low to high to low, mm-hmm. and then that that this low part are more shallow you know that's what that's Mm -hmm. the the thing that you need to be careful i think it's more common than people want to put out there and i actually just posted i actually haven't posted it yet in our next episode of bike radio josh kind of talked about some motivation coming and going and he it's from he's had a tough season stepping up to the next level and while he's learning so much when you're not when you go from winning and then you're not winning because you're racing faster people he's like we talked about it. And then afterwards he was honest, like, man, do I sound really lame saying that? And I'm like, no, so many of us go through that. It's when you're, when you're getting your, whatever you, when you're earning your stripes, cutting your teeth, however you want to say it, like it can be a tough time mentally. It's, Hey, I'm going to take up this sport and go lose for a year to hopefully then win the next yeah. year. A lot of people don't do well with that. And I think it's totally normal. So to hear you say that is really good for people to hear. I- I mean, but, me- mentally, mentally is really hard. Yeah, cycling, also stage races, it's really yeah. hard. You don't see your family. Even now, it's with the family, it's even harder when you see that. You know, let's say uh, your wife is having a hard time with the kids at mm-hmm. home, and you 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 are stuck in a race, and mm-hmm. you're not doing good, and mm-hmm. uh, you just you know you just need to go through it. And but now it, can, it for me it's easier because I know that in the end it will. You know, but when you're young, that for me, it was much, much harder. Can you share and share only what you want to share? Having a family, being a pro, this actually hasn't come up in a podcast yet. A lot of people have a tough time with this, whether it's them getting their spouse on board with kind of like this life with an athlete. How did you guys figure out a way to make it work when you're traveling, you're at a race, you come home, you might be tired. Um what are some maybe tips you could give to people that you found super beneficial for your family? Uh, I mean, for it's hard. Mm-hmm. You cannot go through that, you know. It, it's hard. And also when I come home, I know that maybe Monday, Tuesday, I'm like a zombie walking around and I need to switch on already, <laughs> which is hard. <laughs> but, but what is funny now that is sometimes... Uh, my, I also sp- spoke with other pros, and it's actually this is really funny that you actually recover more in a stage race <laughs> than <laughs> when you're. <laughs> and you, let's say I came fresher from like training camp than, than training at home, but um, <laughs> otherwise, uh, yeah, I, for my it's harder for the spouse for sure than than for yeah. me. And That's... sorry, keep going. I know I, I I have to give her all the all the credit, you know. Even now, she's with four kids, uh, putting them to bed so I can be here. So, uh, you know, I have to be really grateful that um, she supports me. That. That's awesome. I think that's been the number, you know, 
the people that I talk with are more like myself. We found it later in life. So some people were with their spouse and then found cycling. And so it's like, it's, Hey, I'm going to reintroduce this thing that's going to take over my life. And that's obviously yeah. a much more challenging thing. than Like when I met Chris, I was just like, Hey, I ride a bike a lot. And he's like, okay, cool. I'm like, okay, whatever you think is a lot, multiply it by like four. And then you'll probably still be lower than, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a ton. So it's a lot of conversations though, with amateurs of how you find the balance and it has to be a band. This has to work with their life. So yeah, it's, again, it's another good thing to hear from you. Who's at the highest level. Like, Hey, it's tough. Like there's just a lot going on. And I laughed when you said, oh, I'll probably have more time when I'm racing because when I'm at home, there's just four kids running around and I'm a husband and all these other things. So yeah. What's, What's over the years, maybe what are some obviously things that are beneficial to being a bike racer are training and, you know, sleep or maybe what are some small things that maybe had a big impact in your training that you've picked up? Like, man, I'm really glad I do this little thing. Is there anything that sort of has a little thing that makes a big difference? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have that at the moment, but uh, I think the like we need to start with sleep. Yeah. Sleep, sleep. is really really important yeah it's important for keeping the weight down it's important for the hormones it's important for you know doing big blocks it's also important just to be happy you know uh, because uh when you wake up tired you know you, you're getting grumpy your your cortisol is getting higher you're, you know you're in stress and i think yeah sleeping is for me number one i, I appreciate it now more than <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> uh, and then you know it's all the little things. It's food. It's training. It's staying happy, um, which is also really important. Like and uh, also not being too obsessed with everything. Mm. Like finding the balance. You know that you're happy. You're happy with. You know also have uh, balance if you are working. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it will be always juggling stuff around mm -hmm. and this balance that that you're you know comfortable with that's really important and from training yeah um you i think first you need to be confident that your coach uh, knows what he's doing mm -hmm. and that you trust him i think this trust part is really important like you can second guess the coach or say okay i would rather do that which is good also from for our side, so we get the feedback. And feedback shouldn't be always positive because from positivity, yeah, you can learn something, but not every time. Like normally, uh, you learn from when it goes wrong, yeah? Okay, mm -hmm. now we need to adapt. And, um, but the trust um, part is really important. If you have a family, then uh, also you need uh, support from the, from the family, which is also really important. Uh, and then, you know, this is little things, it's food, uh, it's, um, but for me, sleep and just mm -hmm. being happy is something that, and you need to love this, yeah? Otherwise, yeah. it makes it. You bring up a good point, though, about the feedback, and I was talking to somebody about how when you first start coaching somebody, if they've been training for a while, they have their way of doing things, and Sometimes you almost need to let them do their thing to a little bit of failure rather than just butting in and being like, you need to do it my way because 
if you're so imposing on it, then they yeah. go out, like you say, and they're thinking in the back of their head, why am I doing this? I should be doing what I'm used to doing. So sometimes I'm a little bit more hands off on certain people who are really experienced, let them go down. I'm like, Hey, would you consider trying X, Y, and Z instead? This is why, you know, this is the result that we saw from the initial way. Let's try something different. And it's just that communication and learning, like you said, like we both grow through that process is really good. What's when everybody always is curious, pro cyclists, how much do you ride and what does the riding entail? And let's break this down into, let's say you had that huge, this is actually great. You had that huge year, 97 races or however many you said, February through like October. What is November, December, January look like? And then what are you doing throughout the season when you have all these races? Okay. So um, I think the best is that we start in the off season. Mm-hmm. So uh, it depends. Now in, in COVID times, it, it, it's actually funny because you're not so tired because we had less races. But let's say, let's pretend that it, we are doing a normal season. Yeah. So normally, the, uh, let's say I finish in October and start to mid of October. Then uh, I do like a week to 10 days of winding down. So mm-hmm. it's not like, um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm off. Yeah. I, I need to, I spend time with my family. I, I do a lot of, I do a bit of running. So like I do maybe let's say seven to ten k per day, okay. sixty to eighty k per week. For how long? Because I, uh, I, I will say till now. So let's okay, say for about a month. Time. Yeah, uh, I um, this year I have yeah we are just renovating apartment, but normally I will be also doing some core stuff in in, in between. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's too important to do this, and also uh, your body needs to be ready to hit the load. You know, you, you cannot just let it go. But it's also, I, I think, for us, it's important to rest so we also get the hormones back to to normality, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, really important that uh, that your body is really fully recovered, and also for the head, so you do something else. Uh, because uh, okay, some guys like you only do bike. Some guys like me, we do something else. And it's everything is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, let's say with December, yeah, we start to rack up hours. So let's say we go from twelve to then maybe twenty-ish, twenty-two depends on the weather. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not mainly okay. Let's say it's mainly based on bike if it's possible. Otherwise, you do something else like cross country skiing. Uh, maybe you go ready to training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and then we also put more uh, strength exercises inside and uh, um, yeah, just core yoga, you know, stretching mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, then you also start to get this feeling that <laughs> you need to race soon. So yeah. You know, yeah, so you're getting uh, impatient. Uh, and then uh, I hate from January to March, or let's say now it's already, we start already in February, but I hate this period. It's just, you're just waiting for the race, training like an idiot, you know, and nothing is coming. Days are dragging. Uh, as a, I, I like to, I don't like to train. Not, I, I train, 
I do everything what I need to do, but I like to race. Okay. And I, I, I you know, this period is hard for me. Like I, in, inside, I, I feel this urgency, you know, to put have you ever on the number. On, have you ever gotten on Zwift and race there to like scratch that itch a little bit? No. Mm. Uh, and that's because, uh, okay, now Zwift is like, let's say three years. And in the last three years, I think like I changed in this perspective that I really appreciate riding in the nature. Mm. And I always try to find some new roads. Uh, like in the last two, three years, I discovered like maybe, I don't know, 50, 60 roads that I never rode before. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. And I really focus on that. And I, I found such good climbs, such good uh, roads. And it's, you know, I would like to, you know, to show to everybody how good these are, you know, and, you know, I'm so stupid. I didn't do this before. Uh, and that's, yeah. And okay. Where I live is also something is good that we have really okay weather, yeah, which also then benefits. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my teammates, teammates are racing uh, in, the, in the winter, also Premier League. And uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So wait, where are they racing right now? Uh, I think last year they were racing the Premier League, yeah. Where's that? I don't know. I think they raced... Uh... Oh, Premier League on Zwift. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because there's definitely people like Inigo San Milan talks about not having the downtime and how because of COVID, when the whole race schedule got squished towards October and November... And people then turned around and started racing again in late January, February without hitting that reset button. It was really tough for people to bounce back and come back as strong as they were before. And I don't know, I, I, I don't have a problem with people racing every once in a while and doing some efforts here and there, but I just think the Zwift culture makes and promotes racing all year so that they can race all year. Yeah. I don't think it's going to make you a better cyclist though in the long run. That's my own no. opinion. There's definitely people that will disagree with that, but it's usually the people that want to race Swift. So I think if you want to be a road gravel mountain bike racer, you got to go in, do the base work, turn the intensity down a little bit and it doesn't have to be off, but it just doesn't have to be Zwift racing. But I'm, you know, I mean, okay. I mean, okay. Like now people will say, Okay, look at uh, Wout van Aert and also look at Matthew van der Poel mm-hmm. or even maybe Tom, Tom Pitcock. Mm-hmm. But uh, they race now, but they, they had off still now, yeah? Okay, maybe they really unwind, unwind like for our perspective of, um, of the load, mm-hmm. they unwind the down. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of um, guys uh, who race, or they want to race whips all year, they do this like flat, uh, flat load, I would say. So the, the load is constant throughout the year. There is no ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And then I think that gets you stuck in some level, like you cannot really push, push more. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You also need to, to recover to, to get a step higher. Yeah? You cannot just push, 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 because yeah, your body will say no at, at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over a longer period of time when people have more of their own personal experience with it. Because there are a few people I know that I've raced against that I know did a lot of Zwift. 
they seemed less dangerous this past year. And I don't think it was because I was that much stronger. I just felt like they weren't on a similar level. And it was, I was like, huh, that's definitely a Zwifter. So not everybody. And, and like Van Art and Vanderpool, they really have, you know, I wish everybody, everybody wants to have the high threshold, the high anaerobic capacity and can do everything. But unfortunately we all can't do that. So we need to like. No, no, they are superhuman. They are superhuman. Yeah, and they have they have 20 guys around them to only care about them. That's the mm-hmm. difference between a pro rider and, let's say, uh, an amateur rider or, let's mm-hmm. say, a recreational rider. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have all the support. Right? Mm-hmm. We have masseurs, we have mechanics. We don't need to... You know, when you're in a race, you only need to eat, put the pin, uh, pin, pin the number on. Uh, yeah, that's it, yeah. Go to sleep. And you know everything else is, is, is someone is doing this for you. Yeah. So awesome. and also in tr- for training, for training that you know everything is automatic. You just have to do what what you do and just give the input back, and then it's much easier. You don't have to think so much. And yeah. they are worried, like Matthew Vanderpool, and also uh, I read about Panard. They are worried how what this load, especially now because the the sh- season was so short what this load will bring in the future for them in a good way or a bad way in a bad way i mean like you can you can get burned yeah mm-hmm. uh, and then when when you when, once you go over the line then it's really hard to come back yeah. mm-hmm. and we we saw in the future in cycling that a lot of young guys they wanted to do too much from the start like when you were u23 you know too skinny, too much training, no eating. And then your body is so destroyed that maybe you, you have to end up your career or you need two, three years to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's, yeah. Well, that's a good question. Have you ever trained too much or did it where you felt like you were doing it incorrectly and what did you do to correct that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, are, there are times that, you know... Um, you have a really good year and it's like, ah, I need to, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit mm-hmm. more, a little bit more. And then in one point, yeah, that, you know, especially if you race a lot, then this, this little bit more gets really, you know, fast. Um, and first you lose your motivation. You don't sleep good. Your hormone, you know, your hormone, people don't speak about hormone, hormones like they should, you know. Um, and we've got that podcast coming up and that's going to be a good yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, some guys, you know, when you're, they train so much, then they have uh, problems with sex life. Yeah. And also, to correct the hormones, you need a lot of, a lot of time. Yeah. More than just, just physical recovery or, or, or muscles. And yeah, I've, I've done that. I, I never done that in a way that I was totally destroyed for a year. But yeah, you, then you need to have you know, seven to 10 days off. Mm-hmm. And then, then you go from there. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you always need to have someone that tells you, okay, maybe that that's too much. Yeah. What do you think was your main limiter in racing? And what do you do to try to get better at that? Uh, but my main limit, I actually the head. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just stay uh, with that, like you said before, the up and down, yeah. the motivation. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes, uh, let's say you're going on a 20-minute, 20, 15-minute 20 climb, and, you know, it's, it's the last climb of the day, you're going, um, you know, you're on the limit, everybody's on the limit, and then, you know, like one k to go, you said, ah, it's, it's too hard, it's too hard. Like, your legs normally should, could do it, but you, your head is like, ah, it cannot suffer anymore, I cannot suffer. And uh, that's really hard Papa. for me. Wait, one second. You see? You see this? <laughs> the future cyclist. Uh, I, I hope not. <laughs> but oh, yeah, that's, that's my that's my oldest one. Um, What's his name? Um, Oscar. Oscar. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. What's okay, um? What do you think? For if we shift to racing, what do you think then is what makes you feel ready for the race? So you're getting super antsy right now. Season is on the brink. What do you do before those first few races, if anything, to be like, okay, I'm ready to go? Okay, I, I for me, first is that I did all the training. Mm -hmm. Like there's no no skipping, yeah. Mm -hmm. But like that, you feel that you've done everything. Like you should, like you should, and uh, and then uh, yeah, if you're you know in the start of the season, I really care about the weight, so the weight is good, uh, and then I also try to focus um, on uh, seeing what other not but not what other did in training, but like like I can really take care of uh, let's say if someone raced somebody raced before. So um, you check the results, check who is good, who is not, you know, who is already there. And so you have um, some perspective who you need not follow, but, you know, so you have a race plan. For mm -hmm. me, race plan is really important. And, but... Let me ask you this. What, is, what are yeah. you planning? Are you planning just based on the terrain? Are you planning based on who you're racing? What your team goal is? How does that... What's the plan going to be like? Yeah. So first you plan on the train, yeah. Like the race determines what will be at. Then and then what second is you 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 what can determine the race is uh let's say start of the season races are different uh than uh, uh let's say from July on. As uh, you know in the second part things get more easier in terms of like people are not so nervous but from the start you need to also take this in consideration that people are really nervous you need to pay attention you need to be uh always more uh, like um maybe closer to the front all the team together so you, you pick your position in the bunch uh, there's more crashes from the start of the season because yeah, people are you know everyone thinks okay now i did i i went to training camp i did everything right and this this will be my best season of of my career and uh, so everyone's really nervous and you need to adapt to that yeah you need to also as a team you need to adapt and uh, as a team goes yeah i think you you do a lot of training before together so then you already know who is good who is, you know mm -hmm. who will start doing results but this can all every time change in the race but uh, normally we already know who who are we racing on but this is always a fluid 
um, moment. Mm-hmm. What's up? What's up, Oscar? How's it going? Uh, that's my uh, third one. What's up, number three? three? Number three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Love it. Yeah, I mean, that's also part of life. Exactly. Yeah. And now the second one came. <laughs> number two. Yeah. Number two. Hey. Hello. How's it Hi. going? Hi. Hi. Where's number uh, four? Number what? four is... It is it's for three months old. It won't come now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're keeping that in the yeah. podcast. What's, yeah, you should. <laughs> what's the... Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Oh, yeah. So the yeah. train, nerves, early season crashes. Uh, what else? What shifts when it's like July, August? You've been racing a few months. What are you guys talking about going into the race? Uh, I, first, you know already who is good, who is bad. Mm-hmm. You, know, so you know, you, you, you get a picture who is also the, the teams which you have to focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that makes it much easier to, you know, to be there. Also, people are not so nervous. People get tired. Someone mm-hmm. lost motivation a little bit, you know. Uh, and also, for me, that's the best part of the year. I don't know why, but like I was always doing good around our nationals or this mm. time and also in the summer and uh, then second part is much much for me it's much much easier because people are uh, I don't know there's more space in the race yeah uh, mm. I'd say to move and it's more it's easier the race is easier to read interesting yeah. do you think it's easier to read just because you've got more under your belt it's like stays fresh a little bit you've that like race uh, mentality is just run on autopilot by that point. I think it's, um, I don't, I wouldn't say, yeah, it's also because, yeah, because you run on, on, you know, you, you get used to racing from the start, you know, you lose a little bit, you know, you get mm-hmm. rusty and then it's more easier. Uh, and there's also more races from the, so it's people are more spread out. They're like, races so it's also less people sometimes on the start okay. whereas on the, on the start of the season it's always let's say a full pack which is 180 to 175 riders so many people yeah, yeah and you know everyone wants to win yeah everyone wants to win uh, everyone thinks they did the best and then in, in the summer that also what is different is that also in the team itself um the roles get you know divided so it's not like six guys things that can win that can win, you know. Also, the in the in the team itself, the role gets more and more clear. Mm, yeah. Okay. What's what do you think when you look back? What are you, the results that you're the most proud of so far? That just has doesn't even have to be the biggest race. What just is like a great race memory for you? You know, I was <laughs> I was thinking about this question. 
I actually don't know. Like I wouldn't say there were races that I did I did everything right. Uh, like in we did a U23 World World Championships in Australia. Mm-hmm. I did everything right. Even on the last time, I had everything under control, and then someone crashed in front of me, like a okay, to go. And oh. uh, yeah, and you know, it's like ah, oh, maybe I'll go for top ten, and then they're like ah, oh, fuck you, yeah, thirty something. Yeah. No one cares, you know. And there are races that I did absolutely horrible race. Like you miss all the moves, you miss everything, you did everything wrong, and. Um, and then it gets you win, yeah. And that's why I cannot. I, I, it's hard for me to pick something. Yeah, yeah. That's oh man. I can only those races where it's not your like nothing that you did. It just the race happened to you. It's a yeah. it's hard to swallow. I look back on some of those, and I'm. It's not even that I'm disappointed in what happened. I'm disappointed that I didn't get a chance to see what could have happened. And. You know, yeah, racing, it's a bummer, but. Yeah, I mean, like, what happened to me, like, I, I raced now so, for so long, and what happened to me on now the first time? So we did, uh, I think, stage four or three or four, I think, stage three in color race, which is a 2.1 race. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a 15 minute, 430 average climb. Uh, <laughs> uh, towards the end and you know though I, I i remember the course from two years ago and uh, i said okay i know what i have to do and then in the last corner i was running uh so behind in position three and normally it's like formula one you have to always be careful what's coming from the so let's say from the inner side mm-hmm. of the corner so if someone tries to you know Chop. You on the inner side. Yeah. yeah, chop you. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I oh, I I forgot on my, my outer side, and I I and then because of that, two guys chopped me, and I was in the inner side, so I lose all the speed. And uh, you know, from fighting from for the win to fighting for position, you know, six, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, it's hard. So you know, uh, sometimes you do everything right. And then you, you know, last last corner, and mm-hmm. you know, in the race, which is which is, you know, uh, which is why cycling is so so interesting. Interesting is a good word for it. Yes. Yeah. What do you think? You'd mentioned nutrition before. What are some big topics or things when you think about nutrition, whether it's during, before, or after? How do you think about nutrition in order to optimize your performance? Uh, eat, eat, yeah, eat. eat. I'll, I'm, eat. I'm good at that. Don't eat too much, though. Yeah. Eat, but eat, yeah. I, well, my I biggest mean, thing is people don't eat enough carbs in my mind. But you know, I think some people are I, scared of food. I was, I was going through the, let's say when in the, when I 2007 2010 or mm-hmm. 2012, there was a really big period in in, in pro cycling that. That, you know, like food restriction, skinny, skinny, skinny. You don't need, mm-hmm. you don't need to eat. You don't need to eat in the race. You know, everything was about not, not the power, but the, the weight. You know, be skinny as you can, skinny as you can. That's all. But there were other. You know, we have to say this loud. There were. Uh, that was 
people had other, uh, let's say, gasoline, yeah. <laughs> which, which then propelled them to, to the result. And now I think it's like last couple of years when cycling, we have, it, it's cleaner. Yeah. We have to say it's much, much cleaner. I won't say it's clean because I, I can only vouch for myself. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it, it will be always a dark side of cycling or sports because, you know, it's money involved. And someone's always going to try and cheat. Yeah. Yeah. It's human nature. And now we really start focusing on, on eating yeah? and on eating right. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, uh, uh, also in the race, we try to avoid stuff uh, that's like binding, binding uh, too much fluid to the body. But I'm, I'm not a li- really, I won't say low residue because this is uh, something that you can only do for a couple of days. Uh, but like you are eating right uh, and you're eating a lot also in the race we eat now. It's before, before we, we ate way less than now. What do you think? What do you like to eat on the bike when you're racing? Uh, normally, I have already. I make a plan. Let's say I, I check the route. Uh, we we get the information where will be our feeding. So where mm-hmm. you get the musette and everything. Maybe I put also some like my my musette in the car. Uh, so let's say maybe last, for last seventy k's, I put some gels. My gels. If I like them more or um, just steam gels, um, so I don't have to carry all the food around. Mm-hmm. But I normally switch, I start with rice cakes. Uh, really, I really like. Yeah, I start with rice cakes. There's like no uh, calories in those. Yeah, but it's carbs. Yeah, we we people think of uh, everyone thinks okay only only. Um, about calories, but we also uh, digest a lot of calories through, let's say, uh, through liquid. Yeah. With um, in the beginning, yeah. Not not just we just we don't put uh, only iso, but we also put like other carbs in the in the in the bottles. Bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So with that helps, yeah, because uh, for me, I always like to start with rice cake, then I switch to bars. And then I switched to gel. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What, what do you think equipment wise, you guys are on those Simplon bikes. Is, have you yeah. been riding those before or is this the first year? Uh, we've ri- uh, So this will be now the third different frame that we will be riding. Uh, Tell me about those. Own. I saw it online. It looks awesome. Yeah. yeah. They say this is the fastest road bike. At the yeah. moment, I mean, it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm in. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you what know, size tires are you riding? I ride 28. Mm. When did you uh, make the change over to that? I just, uh, I tried everything. Okay. I like to try things. I, cool. I'm not like, I also like to try different brands. I, let's say from the start of this, and uh, we switched from 23 and around 2014, we tw- switched to 25, 26. And this is, and then two years, maybe 2018, we switched to 20, 
from 25 to 28. Mm-hmm. Now we are still, you know, juggling between there and left and right. It also depends on the course that we are riding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we are also switching from from riding tubulars to tubeless. Interesting. So yeah, and also in the team we um, okay we are sponsored, but we can ride our own tires if we want. So okay. which is really cool that the team that the team um, allows us to do that because you know when you have something that you feel comfortable on, uh, it, it makes you much faster. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. What is your, let's talk about coaching real quickly. I know we probably got about 10 minutes left or so. What's your training philosophy from like a big picture? How do you look at training in order to make somebody else a better cyclist? Well, first, uh, they need to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, okay. That. One thing, yeah. One thing is that if you improve, then you, it makes you happy. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But for me, first thing it starts with just, you know, my client's well-being. So I need to, I start that I get to, I try to get to know, to know them as much as I can mm-hmm. um, from a point that, uh, because everything affects coaching and everything affects, so coaching and let's say riding bike affects your normal life and your normal life uh riding a bike mm-hmm. so if you get this information like um uh, and a lot of uh, my clients were really adaptive with that so they went into by themselves they, they you know they went into hoop uh, so you can see some guys bought um, uh, hrv devices uh some guys uh were weighing each time so you know when you're getting as much data as are useful, then it's much easier. And also I like that to speak with them in terms of how they are and also how it works, how it's family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from, I would normally start with that. And then That's, from there, I want to, I want to reiterate that part of how is work, how is family, because it is, it still amazes me when people that have trained for a while will be you know, they'll post in their comments how they didn't perform well in their workout. And then they'll mention all these other things going on in life. And they don't draw the connection between the two. And my schedule is much different now in only coaching. But when I was doing medical device sales, sometimes you're in the hospital at 630 in the morning, you didn't leave till four, you go on and get on the bike at like 530. If you didn't have a, if you had a great day, you're still like flying high and you might have a great workout. If you didn't have a great day, you might be tired. And it's just like, man, who am I today? This sucks. And so much, or like people move or just big things happening in life affect training. And I think we, most cyclists have that go get it attitude. And when it doesn't, when the body and brain don't show up, they get disappointed. And so that's huge to have that. You're it's clear you're seeing the 30,000 foot overview. You're seeing them as a whole person, not just what the metric might be telling you or something like that. Yeah, exactly. If you stand, let's say if you're working in a normal job and you stay, stand on your feet for the whole day, mm-hmm. you know, your feet will get swollen and it's no way that you can do your, your maximum at, at five mm-hmm. uh, when you finish working. And also if you have to wake up early, then, you know, you, you came back from bike from uh, let's say seven, 
then before your body unwinds, and it's already 11, 12, and then you sleep only six hours, and you know that that pattern continues. And this, as a coach, I think this is really important, yeah, that you need to take uh, this into uh, aspect. It's not like when you're coaching a pro rider, it's much different than coaching a, a normal guy who works or a girl. I have to say also that. Uh, and that's and, the uh, that is the tricky part when someone's trying to just totally burn the candle at both ends. And I can think of a few people where I'm like, you know, the biggest I'll put on the training calendar: sleep. You might need to cut this three-hour ride this weekend to two if you need yeah. to get some extra sleep. It is so important. Yeah, I, and also what uh, what is funny for me that sometimes, um, like an amateur is way more motivated to train than a pro rider and like they, this over motivation that actually kills them yeah when this motivation that you can use to gain results actually kills you because you want to do too much that is so interesting i've never really thought about it that way and you know you, i see i have a i have a client that he, he makes you know he's he, he's a perfect client he does everything and I can I can do you know million things with him, but sometimes his motivation is you know it's so big that it's actually hurting him. Like I said, like you need to go slow, you need to go slow, mm-hmm. and he cannot, you know. And and then the whole structure of the training can get affected because you do you do not little you know you do too much, and then this uh, multiplies every time till till you crack or not That's- perform as as good as you can. And that's the thing. It's hard to see by yourself. It's that long-term fatigue. It's that you're good. You can pull this off for two months. You can't pull it off for four or five months. And when people crack yeah. them, then they're like, wait, I'm not fit. I need to do more. And it's this bad cycle yeah. that starts. It's so that's my, what, my, yeah. yeah, my, it's just, for me, when I go, uh, let's say I look at the ma- macro picture, not the micro, a big picture in training peaks, and mm-hmm. you can see the improvements. It's not like a straight line. It always has like to be like a jigsaw coming yes, up. Yes, stair step. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, like the body is adapting. It's, it's, so it's also you need time to recover. And it cannot be a straight line. And it, it's like a constant improvement. It's not... You cannot do this long term. I wish I had constant it's, improvement for 13 years. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be good. Because, well, I think it's you know, also that's, that's you know I talked to Cody Stevenson, a guy from Training Peaks, and just how do we? It's hard to conceptualize like depth and just the ability to do efforts later in a race or the accumulated benefits of having 10 years of training versus three years of training, and everybody wants a metric for everything. And everything that counts can't be counted. And it's, yeah. I understand that everybody wants to number every single thing as we have a lot of metrics, but it's just not endurance sports. And I'm so pumped to look back in 20 years on what we think is the gold standard and how things change. And we're just still so new in this that it's, that's what excites me that, you know, Somebody commented to me one time. They're like, "I appreciate your candidness in some of these podcasts because you don't act like you know everything." And I'm like, 
okay, I definitely don't know everything and nobody does. No, like the, the best people in the world don't know everything. There's still so much to learn. So it's... No, I, I, for me, uh, like even, I, I would never say I know everything. It's like not possible. And also if you look at what we did five years ago and we exactly. said, ah, that's a feeling. And in five yeah. years ago, ah, this was also silly. We could do that better. Yeah. And it is, uh, for me, it's always a learning curve. Yeah. And Always. that's what makes it fun. Yeah, it's it's not it's never a something. Okay, you there's like endurance is endurance, but everything else it's like ooh, so much time and so fun and uh, and things. The season, the season training isn't the same. Like I think back, I've tried different things, and I've tried things that didn't work, and I've tried things that worked better. And then you, it's this, and then it's like thing number one might not work now, but in three years when you have 30,000 more miles than you, then you try thing one, then it works. Yeah. And it's like things click at different points in time for different athletes. And okay. So my, my big question then at the end, well, not the big question, but coming up in an hour, what do you think is a good piece of advice for an amateur that is trying to go pro and get to that next level? Or, and I actually want to tweak this also, or for an amateur that maybe they're not going pro because a lot of people find the sport later in life, but they get to race pros. They get to do like a P one, two race, or I don't know what it'd be in Europe exactly, but what's a, what's yeah. a good tip? Uh, well, first is train smart, not train a lot. I won't say train okay. a lot yeah. because train, train smart, like do your recovery do your workout right, right, uh, not, uh, also feel the body, learn, learn to know your body. Yeah? You need to know your body, uh, to, to, because also co- your coach, okay. He can see a lot of data, but, uh, like your actual feeling, he cannot see. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, that's, that's really important. Like, if you if you know yourself, you you know what you are capable. Mm-hmm. And on the other on the other hand, which will be now contradictory, uh, like always learn and push yourself harder. Yeah, like and it's not only from physical aspect, but also from mental aspect. Mental is more for me. Mental is more important, especially mm-hmm. in cycling. Let's say you do a lot of heavy race, and if you're like mentally good, you will come over the climb. Mm-hmm. If you're mentally weak, then you will drop 500 to go, and then you'll be asking yourself, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and what is important is uh, learn how to race. It's, it's trickier than people think mm-hmm. because they're in a race, uh, there's so many small things that matter you cannot really, I cannot stress how important that is. Huge. Like, especially, yeah, especially if you race alone, if you don't have a team that will just pull you on the front all the time uh, and do everything for you, cover the moves. You know, you need to be smart. You need to be, uh, pick, pick some, a couple of guys that you need to follow. Uh, where, where, when he's just like, when it's a pro guys, it's much easier because you need, you already know on how to focus on mm-hmm. and eventually you will, you will hit the right note. Uh, learn how to corner. This is also important. Uh, learn how to keep position. Mm-hmm. 
it's not like so you're not all over front back front back and learn how to fix position people tend to fix position on the side let's say you go back uh, through the peloton and then you go left or right and then you know you go 600 watts to the front which is not smart if mm -hmm. you burn a lot you know if you do this for 20 times you know it's it so a lot of yeah how do you do that what's the what do you where do you start to do that so you're only getting this experience in races how do you learn to get comfortable and how do you how do you move up if you're not moving up on the side uh, I always try to move up in the middle. Not everyone does it, but I'm, I'm, let's say, I'm, we, we, we have Italian school of cycling, which based a lot on spring when you were young. Mm -hmm. So you need to learn how to ride in the peloton. Mm -hmm. But you always, there's, you know, uh, there, in, the, in the peloton, there's always a natural movement, mm -hmm. which you need to follow. Yeah? You need to think, it's like playing chess, yeah? You think in advance what can happen, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, then it's much easier because there will be some pattern that will always come up, let's say. Let's say there's a right corner, uh, the bunch automatically goes uh, uh, to the right in the corner, uh, and then when you come out of the corner, there's, you know, this movement where you can easily, let's say, find the uh, a spot to move on and there's always someone that will make a space yeah? you don't have to force the space you know it, it should feel like uh, I don't know Mr. Miyagi and the uh, space will uh, appear uh, find you yeah yeah you yeah, part, part the sea who was that the yeah. biblical not Moses gosh I should know who that is yeah. but yeah. Well, that's Moses. yeah was it Moses yeah yeah, Moses. yeah. yeah. And sometimes, you know, you save so much things with that if you go like that. And also, when you go in the race, study, study the race. You need mm -hmm. to know where the dangerous points, where the uh, small bits, where everything is. The more data you have, the better it is. It's that's something I've tried to get better at throughout the years, and it's crucial just knowing when climbs, not even climbs, like crazy corners, things where crashes will be, uh, yeah. you know, planning. I mean, that, little things that, that one thing that saved yeah. me this past year was a race where we looked at where the feed zone was. And I was like, we're going to be going 30 miles an hour through that feed zone. And someone's yeah. like, no way. I'm like, look, it's downhill. It, there's a tailwind at this time. I'm like, that feed zone is going to be carnage. And I actually used, big bottles brought a bottle and i was like if you miss a bottle and the laps were really long like if you miss a bottle you're screwed so instead yeah. of doing i came over it came, came with so much water and all i got was ice socks through it and a couple of people missed bottles and just died and it was just i mean it was a, yeah. it's unfortunate that's a bad race setup but it is what it is it was that was and that's one of the first times i really can say that like pre-thinking about little random things paid off big time but yeah, I mean, if you think in advance, then it's much easier. Let's say, mm -hmm. okay, there are in a race there are focal points. Let's say in France, you maybe hit the cobbles, or in Belgium, there are still no mm -hmm. always some things that you need to. You you know everyone knows it uh, that that is coming, and there is always stress about it. Uh, and there are the points that you don't move up too early, 
so you don't spend 10k doing nothing on the front end, maybe killing for your, your teammates. Um, yeah, it, it happens. And also, let's say when you say now, when you say now uh, to the feeding zone, sometimes teams bring bidons before and then push to the feeding zone so no one can take the 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 feeding oh, back. Wow. Yeah, uh, no, you know, you know, you always have to be thinking in advance and being prepared uh, that this might happen. Yeah. Any parting words that you want to get across for the, for the people yeah, watching? Yeah, I, I want to say something else for also. This is for all the Americans guys trying to go to Europe. Yeah, it's much harder for you guys than it's for us because we are here. Okay, maybe you need to move to another country, but it's much easier. Also, the culture. Mm-hmm. It's, we are adapted, you know, but for you guys, uh, this is much, much harder, especially coming to France or Belgium and staying uh, in a shitty apartment, trying to fulfill your dreams. And then you see that your dreams are not so shiny. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, persevere, you know, persevere. And, you know, everything bad you learn in cycling will, will get you somewhere. Yeah. Not only cycling, but maybe, maybe in your future job or, you know, Maybe when shit will hit the fan later on in the, in the in your life, you you will learn something there. Yeah. Well, I think it's a really good thing for you to point out. I've known a few people that have gone to Europe, and a few have come back very quickly. Others that have stayed there have talked about just, "Hey, I'm in this small town in France. It's pretty lonely. Uh, there's so much besides the racing." And then I think a lot of people forget that if you're a pro that is now your job and that changes some things about the race day. And yeah. that's one of the biggest things that we've talked about that I'm really, really, really pumped to have you on board is that we have some athletes that are trying to go pro in Europe and I cannot, none, none of us, Alex has more experience riding in that uh, and around those types of riders than the rest of us. And so to have you able to have that experience, have the knowledge of all these other things that unless you live it, I can't, you know, people always talk another example, people always like, why don't you coach triathlons? I'm like, I don't run. I don't swim. That's like, I can't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to fake that. I can't, I'm not going to fake trying to say like, I know everything about being a pro cause I don't sure. I can make somebody faster, but they're to make this your job and take that next step. I'm super pumped to see the athletes that we yeah, can up with you. And I mean, I'm also happy that that I can you know that I can help your clients or somebody else from from the mm. from the company because you know if uh, maybe I'm not the best coach for him, which you know it can be you, but I can give you and him an, an advice or give you advice. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm also pumped because you also have. You have uh, your knowledge that you are really willing to share with me, which mm-hmm. also makes me better and stronger really together. To yeah, stronger together. That's what I'm. Some, you know, when you came on, someone said, "Bam, we're getting bigger." I said, "We're not getting bigger. We're getting stronger." And that's yeah, exactly. the best thing yeah. is, I love the coaches' calls, and every once in a while we post those because they turn into basically a podcast talking about cycling stuff. It's just, yeah, it's a really exciting time. Uh, I, man, I appreciate you doing this at night. I know you got stuff going on with the family and whatnot. Well, I'm looking no, forward no, okay. to doing some more coaches calls. And yeah. the, the thing you uh, talked about too, the in-race, 
like details and little things that I think that would be a really interesting one to do. And there, man, we could just, anybody that's been in the pro Peloton, as long as you, we can just talk. There's so many things to talk about. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm like a, you know, like these old guys in a, in a pub. (laughs) 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 Not not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Man. Well, Andy, thanks man for doing this. We'll talk more soon. And Hope you have a good rest of the night. And we'll have yeah, to start, we'll start plugging the Slovenia trip and get some more US people. Yeah. There. Yeah, you should. You should. You should. It, it, uh, it will be fun. And um, let's plant that seed right now. So it's Latap Slovenia. It's September. What's the fourth. date? Fourth. Fourth. Yeah. It, it will go through birthplace of uh, Matej Mohoric and also Tadej Pogacar. And awesome. it will be in the middle middle of the Alps, close to Lake Bled. You can also uh, check that out. A lot of Americans normally use it. And uh, 10k from the airport and 10k from our capital. So and it's warm. Of- and it's warm at that point of the year there. Yeah, we are not Siberia here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will be like 25 to 30 degrees. I don't know what's that in Fahrenheit. Yeah, it's it warming up. Shorts and a jersey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, you'll need to open it in the climb. Yeah, awesome. And I will be there. Are, I'm coming. I'm getting yeah. my tickets in probably a week or two. I just bought tickets for another place, so I'm trying to wait till the next <laughs> billing yeah. cycle. But I'm gonna be coming there because I might be doing like a honeymoon in Italy afterwards. And but yeah, Latap, legit, and we'll talk more about that. Yeah, I think uh, you'll be surprised how nice it is. Oh and, no, uh, I know how nice it is. I'm excited. I mean, I'm yeah. it's and that's think, honestly think, an area yeah. of yeah. It, it's an area of the world I've never really been to. I think the most eastern Europe I've been to was Croatia. I love that and I wasn't there long enough and I didn't have a bike. And plus you and Alex are there, so I'm pumped to hang out. Alex messaged me after I said I was coming. He's like, You really coming? I'm like, Hell yeah, I'm coming next year. He's like, I can't wait to ride. Like it, this is what's amazing about the internet. I've I've know Alex. We work together. He you know. How long have we been chatting, but we don't we've never seen each other in real life? Yeah. yeah. Super pumped. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I think you will never go to Italy. I think you're just saying Slovenia. <laughs> that would be a tough call. I, well, I would. Actually, that's maybe not a bad idea. Make two trips. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. I'll talk to yeah. you soon. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. I'm really happy to do this. And um, tell, number yeah, four, we, tell number four we said goodnight. Yeah, I think I think he's waiting for me. So it's okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. All right. Have I'll talk day. to you soon. See yeah. ya. Uh, we see us on Monday. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Monday. Yes, Monday. We'll chat on Monday. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Peace see you, Andy. Take care. See ya.